after God's own heart. And last Sunday, we looked at 1 Samuel 24. You might recall that in 1 Samuel 24, David is being pursued by his enemy Saul. Uh, these two anointed ones, one the current king, one the future king. And we, we saw that scene where uh, David and some of his men, his kind of inner circle, if you like, are, are hiding from Saul. Uh, and Saul comes in to relieve himself and David cuts a corner off his robe. That's where we were last week. One of the things that I wanted to do during this series uh, was, it, was look at one or two psalms that are written... Um, at the very time of these events that took place. And so today we're looking at Psalm 57. And if you have a Bible with you, you'll see that right at the very beginning of Psalm 57, there's like a postscript or a prescript um, that actually says, uh, Psalm 57, when he had fled from Saul uh, into the cave. Now, uh, one of the reasons why David is loved Uh, amongst many believers is that unlike any other biblical character, we really get to see the heart of David through the Psalms. There are 150 Psalms in the Bible and 73 of those are attributed to David. So almost a third of the Psalms are written by David and we get such an incredible insight into this man who is described as being a person or a man after God's own heart. This morning we're going to take a look at Psalm 57, and I've called it caveman worship because uh, at this point in his, his life, this point in his journey, David was literally in a cave, and it's very much a psalm of worship, so caveman worship. We'll just briefly journey through this psalm this morning. It really takes us into um, the heart of who David is, uh, and it also really teaches us so much about who God is. It's a, a beautiful psalm. And uh, let's just walk through it together now. Psalm 57, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, my God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. At this point in David's life, at this point in David's journey, he is in fact the vulnerable victim He is the innocent one. He is in a cave hiding. He has been pursued. And David up to this point has treated Saul with nothing but integrity. And he comes to God in prayer, seeking God as his refuge. And he begins by saying, have mercy on me, O God. Uh, This teaches us about David's theology of God. God is entirely holy. And David is not. And in spite of his present circumstances, he knows his rightful place before a holy God. David writes in Psalm 51 that I was sinful from birth, sinful from the moment my mother conceived me. Sin is not something that we can control. It's something that unfortunately is just a part of being in a fallen world. And David understands his correct posture before God. God is holy. I am sinful. Therefore, I come to God seeking his mercy. But we see in this verse that God is incredibly close to David. There is an intimacy in this relationship, the relationship of a parent to a child. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings. It's a a beautiful image of parental love and care. 
And for those of us who are parents, and as we particularly reflect today on Father's Day, there are all kinds of situations with our children where they're go- when they're going through a difficult time, maybe they're being sick. I had that own experience myself this morning with one of my children. And the only thing that I could do, as much as I wanted to take it away from him, was just be there with him in that moment. And that's how God see, that's how David sees God. He's here in this cave fleeing his accuser, fleeing one who wants to kill him. And he understands that God can't just transport him somewhere away from this situation. This is his present reality. But David understands that God is his safe refuge. God will be present with David in the pain, in the turmoil, in the challenge. There's a very big difference between refuge and escape. God is not removing David from this situation. God is present for David in the situation. Friends, whatever circumstance or situation you find yourself in, call out to the holy God who will have mercy on you. And just as David found shelter and refuge in the shadow of God's wings, so too you and I can find refuge in the shelter of God's wings. The disaster for David was considerable. 3,000 men were in pursuit of him, one, and he only had 600 to defend himself. But he knew that God was sovereign. He knew that God was in control. And he knew somehow that this particular disaster would pass. When you're going through a difficult time, I, I love, and when I'm going through a difficult time, I love that phrase, this too shall pass. <laughs> it's really helpful, isn't it? just reminds us that it won't be forever. And there seems to be a sense of that in verse 1. This too shall pass, and whilst I'm thick in it, God will be present with me, and he will be my place of refuge. 57 verse 2, I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. This is entirely consistent with the speech that David offers to Saul when he confronts him. In 1 Samuel 24, 12, David says to Saul, May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. In verse 1, God is this incredibly intimate, loving, protective parent. Now, in verse 2, God is most high. The incredible creator of the universe has the capacity to be so intimately close as well as uh, completely over everything, sovereign, in control, overall. And that brings David rest because he knows that God is judge and God will judge correctly. Verse 3, he sends from heaven and saves me. Rebuking those who hotly pursue me, God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. Again, such insight into the person and the character of God. He is high above. He is in heaven. He has the big picture perspective. 
And therefore, God is able to judge justly because he knows and sees all. And David trusts his particular situation into the hand of a God who sees correctly. David has, God has seen the way that David has acted and responded with integrity to Saul's treatment of him. And David is trusting that God will be his deliverer. David doesn't try to take matters into his own hands. He trusts that God will be his deliverer. He knows that ultimately God will not only be his place of refuge, but God will also be his rescue, his redemption, his saviour. I love how it says God sends forth his love and faithfulness. Two beautiful qualities and characteristics of the nature of God. It's as if these are ministers in God's cabinet. These are representatives on God's team. And these are the particular qualities that David needs to be assured of right now. God's love, God's deep love for him. And God's deep love for him in that parental sense. I love you. I, I care for you. I'm concerned for you. I am with you. As well as God's faithfulness. I have proven myself to you time and time again. I will prove myself faithful to you in this situation. There are times, aren't there, men and women, where we need to be reminded of God's great love for us as well as his faithfulness to us. He's been faithful in the past. He is faithful in the present. And he will continue to be faithful into the future. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell amongst ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows whose tongues are sharp swords. David is a poet. He writes with such rich imagery. Every word that comes forth from David is is filled with a word picture And the situation that he finds himself in is one of accusation. He has been accused, falsely accused. And Saul and his men are hunting David down. And they're obviously using words. Words have been said about David that cut to the core. False words of accusation. And David just pours out his heart. This is the situation that I'm in. It's a terrible situation to be in. But there's an antidote to false accusation and fear. And that's worship and praise. In verse 5, it's as if the light breaks forth into what is a very dark scene and moment for David. We've gone from ravenous beasts to God's exalt exaltation his glory above all of the heavens and the earth and this verse is just a beautiful moment of relief from the fear and the dread of that cave to the glory and the magnificence of God be exalted O God above the heavens and it's as if for David as he's been petitioning God as he prays to God his eyes are lifted from the problem to the problem solver. I will lift my eyes to you. And isn't that what worship 
can do for us. It can lift us out of the, the, the present circumstances that we find ourselves in and lift our eyes, lift our gaze to God and his glory and his magnificence. And even for just a moment, we forget about the problem, we forget about the circumstances, and we're reminded of the faithfulness and the love of God. And this is what we need to endure, the trials and the tribulations that we will continue to experience in this life. We're to lift our eyes, we're to lift our gaze, and to worship God because he is entirely worthy of all our praise, of all our worship. David offers praise and worship to God in what is a terrible circumstance and situation for him. There are people in pursuit of his very life. And yet even in the midst of that, he praises God. He worships God. It's a beautiful heart response. A person after God's own heart is a person who continually worships God. And they worship God not based on their own experiences or circumstances. They worship God because he is holy. Uh, They worship God because they understand that he is this intimate parent, this caring father, this this mother that shelters and, and provides refuge and protection as well as one who is on high, who is above all, who is from the heavens, who sends forth his love and faithfulness to those who call upon his name. This is the God who is so worthy of our worship. Verse 6, they spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. David's posture in this verse is one of prayer. He is bowed down. He's in a distressing situation, but he is on his knees before God, pouring his heart out. And here we see the justice and the vindication of God. The enemies had set a trap for David and they've fallen into it themselves. David's trust in Yahweh is proven. David's trust in Yahweh is proven even where he finds himself in a cave. Interesting to think about the fact that David was in a cave where he met Saul at Saul's most vulnerable point. In a sense, God actually delivered David's enemy into his very hands and actually gave David an upper hand in the situation. But even in that circumstance... David trusted God. He said, I'm not going to take this matter into my own hands. I will not be guilty of bloodshed. God will judge. It is God who will vindicate me. And he maintained a heart of integrity towards Saul and towards God. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. David's heart is at complete rest. And in some sense, this seems to be in conflict with the distressing circumstances he finds himself in. Um, And I think that there's a very real human element to that. David, like you and I, was a real person. 
He had real feelings and he experienced those feelings through his lived experiences. And so there's absolutely a reality going on in Psalm 57. But there is also an overwhelming trust in God that brings great peace and confidence into his heart. In Matthew 6.21, Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. David is a man after God's own heart because he treasured God above all else. God was his treasure. It was God he desired. It was God he pursued. And because of this, David had a settled, steadfast heart. I absolutely love this word, steadfast. And here are some synonyms of the word steadfast. Loyal, faithful, committed, devoted, dedicated, dependable, reliable, steady, true, constant, trustworthy, firm, determined, unfaltering, unyielding, unflinching. This is who David sees God as. He's not going anywhere. He is not going anywhere. God is loyal. He is trustworthy. He is dependable. He is faithful. God is this rock upon whom David's life is built. And God has transferred something of the steadfastness of himself into David's heart because David's heart treasures God. And I absolutely love this. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. And as we come today to think about Father's Day, by all means, first and foremost, we want to focus our attention on the steadfast nature of God because ultimately God is steadfast and we are not. God is steadfast and we are not. But there are absolutely characteristics and qualities and, and, and times in our lives where we can be steadfast. You know, and our community needs role models who are steadfast. Our nation needs leaders who are steadfast. Our families need men who are steadfast. Our wives need husbands who are steadfast. Our children need fathers who are steadfast. What we need are men who are loyal, faithful, committed, devoted, dedicated, dependable, reliable. It just goes on. Men in this room. I'm speaking to you too because it's Father's Day. We need the steadfast nature of God to pour into our hearts so that we too can say, my heart, O God, is steadfast because you are the rock upon whom I build my life. And I will be a man for my family, for my community, for my nation, for the world, for my God, who is loyal, who is faithful, who is committed, who is dependable, 
who is trustworthy. Oh, does that not do something for you men? Does that not well up your heart to say, this is what it is to be a man after God's own heart? May God pour his spirit out upon each one of us, men and women alike, to be these types of people for those whom we love, for those whom we lead, and for those whom we give witness to. Verse 8, awake my soul, awake, awake harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. Now David is himself a musician. He is a poet, he is a psalmist, he is a, a lyre harp player. And uh, I think there is a sense here of obviously David wants to use his musical instruments. He probably doesn't have them with him in the cave. But his heart is just bursting forth with praise for this God who has poured his steadfast love into his heart. And because of the steadfast nature of God that is now implanted in David, David finds himself in this most awful circumstance and yet he's able to praise and worship God. And isn't that the wonder of knowing the creator of the universe in intimate relationship as David does and as you and I can, is that no matter what life throws at us, no matter what circumstances we go through, the steadfast nature of God can pour into our hearts and somehow supernaturally allow us to give praise and worship in the most unseemly circumstances. And this is what we see of David. It's as if, as a parent, has to wake a child to get them up and ready for school, which I know all too well at the moment. David is going to wake the dawn with praise and worship for God. The praise and worship in his heart is so passionate, is so real, is so rousing, that he is going to wake forth the dawn with his worship of God. Awesome. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. David's worship is so extreme. It is so extravagant. It moves well beyond any one individual. This is now a song of worship for the whole globe to join in on and be a part of. David will not only worship God in the privacy of the cave. Uh, God is so magnificent and so wonderful. David will worship him uh, amongst all peoples, amongst all nations. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. In other words, and those two uh, agents that God will send forth to those who find themselves in distressing situations, God's love and God's faithfulness are limitless. They know no end. His love is so great. His faithfulness is so true. They reach to the skies. They know no limit. And this beautiful psalm concludes again in verse 11. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. What a beautiful insight into a person who is described as a man after God's own heart. Let's pray.
Oh, Lord, we love you and we just honor you and celebrate you this morning as the truly steadfast one. As the one who has revealed himself through Christ. As loyal, committed, unyielding, determined, unflinching in your love, unending in your grace. I pray this morning, God, that you might pour out your Holy Spirit and your steadfast nature upon each person here this morning and that we might have the humility to turn to you and say, have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me. And receive the steadfast love of you, our God. We thank you for your love and faithfulness that knows no bound, that knows no limit. And I pray right now for each man and woman, boy and girl, that they would know that love and faithfulness. And that whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, we'll be able to offer you praise and worship. Because like David's hearts, our hearts too can be steadfast, at peace, at rest in you. You are sovereign. You are holy. You are over all. You are in control. You are entirely capable. You are just. You are magnificent. May we learn to praise you and worship you just like David did. We offer you this time now and pray that you might transform our hearts to be hearts that are known as hearts after you. Amen.